You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. All right, we're back. It is April 18th, 2018, I think. Uh, but Tom, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Uh, just got back from Thailand last night. How um, was the trip? I mean, it looked like, look, all the photo I saw like one photo of you guys training and the rest of you were fucking drinking. There'll be more coming. There'll be more, more photos coming. coming. Six days of training in the end. We yeah, yeah. Do so, more what, what kind of trip? You did a lot of th- just Thai boxing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're in Thailand, you got to do Muay Thai, right? I, I, I guess. Did they have any other martial art there or no? It was all Thai boxing. You could do you could do things like BJJ and stuff like that. Really? Gym. Oh, one didn't. But um, yeah, why would you go to Thailand for BJJ? Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. All right, let me uh, uh, take care of some business, and we'll, then we'll hit the road. We got a real great guest today, and uh, we'll bring him on in a few minutes. Okay, um, Primal Radio. You can hear every Saturday night, nine p.m. Uh, UK time, nine p.m. Uh, New York time on HamiltonRadio.net. Uh, later today, you'll be able to hear us on Spreaker, on iHeart, iTunes, Sonos, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Amazon Alexa. We're heard in 180 plus 180 plus countries around the world. Uh, the show's doing real well, so thank you, everybody. If you listen to it on one of those stations, please like it and share it. For some reason, that's pretty important. Um, real quick, at Primal Gym this past weekend, we had a Snake Pit USA seminar. We had Floyd Bad News winner. Who was the Air Force wrestling coach? Come out, he's seventy-one. Uh, what a great time! I'm still sore. Two days, eight hours of wrestling each day. My knee, you know, I didn't really grapple for about a year. I could teach it, but my knee was screwed up, and uh, I got on the mat. Now my knee's starting to feel it again. You know, I don't know what it is. Yeah. The doctor said it was nothing, but he obviously doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not hurting for no reason. You know, I can punch, I can kick, but that compression on it is uh, is challenging. But anyway, I got a couple events coming up at the gym outside of that. It looks like June 30th, we're going to have the June Bug Livingston First Annual Memorial Championships at uh, Primal Gym. June Bug Livingston was, he had like 105 fights. He won like 99 of them. Uh, was headed to the 1976 Olympics with Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, and then life hit him in the face and that never happened. So he was like uh, a real uh, famous guy in Trenton, New Jersey for boxing, teaching people. And kind of life got the best of him. But he used to teach at my gym for a number of years, and he passed away last year, unfortunately, all of a sudden. Um, July 14th, we have a catch wrestling seminar in the morning. And then that same night, we have the catch wrestling world championships going on. Um, that's going to be exciting. They fight in the ring. We're expecting you know, several hundred people at the thing. So that's a, uh, a lot of great grappling competitors. Um, our next MMA event is going to be August 18th. And it looks like it's going to be at the Showboat Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. I'm actually meeting with him on Tuesday. Um, we got to work out a deal. Uh, so it looks pretty good. Uh, September, I'll have another boxing event. And November 3rd, we'll have another fight at the uh, at the Showboat again. And then Hawk will be coming in sometime. Um, but anyway, so I just had to take care of that business, promote the shit out of the business. That's what the radio show is for, right, Tom? So, uh, yes. Yeah, right. How was your flight back, by the way, buddy? I watched about seven films or something stupid like that. One wow. brilliant one called you Molly's didn't sl- Game. You didn't sleep at all? Uh, got about an hour in. Yeah, that's all I would have gotten. I never we really dozed on the planes, actually. But anyway, let's, let's, get, let's get to business. So uh, this next gentleman I've been a fan of for years. Uh, he's got a lot of videos out. Really smart, intelligent martial artist. Um, very entertaining, puts out stuff all the time. He's the founder of CMOC. He served in the Army. He's been a bodyguard. He's been a bounty hunter. Uh, this guy's a real American badass, tough as shit. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Blackgrave. Mike, how are you doing, buddy? I'm still trying to figure out that tough as shit part. <laughs> <laughs> after, after last night's class, man, I feel like a bag of busted yeah, glass. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, you're, you're te- you're te- are you teaching a lot or? Oh man, I'm teaching uh, every day. Uh, every day, I, 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 I reinvented my Wing Chun roots. You know, started teaching a lot of heavy Wing Chun, uh, yeah. the, uh, Duncan the Young lineage stuff. So it's a different monster, right? A uh, lot, lot of leg work, a uh, lot of conditioning, a lot of punches. Last night I put the guys through uh, drills. We counted up 900 punches. Wow! In a two-hour session. 
Nice. And uh, and I do it with them, so my shit's in the wind, man. And then, you know, then, like I said, I got a nine-year-old daughter that I'm chasing yeah. after. She believes that daddy's stomach is supposed to be used as a punching bag. <laughs> she, she's five foot five, 145. Wow, no kidding. Big you girl. Know? Between that and doing gun work and doing knife work and uh, yeah. working on my ground game, uh, man, it, and being 54 years of age, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down, but my God. Right. Sleep is a is a commodity I I, I really love. <laughs> <laughs> so so you start like from, from what I know of you like you, your dad was your first um, teacher. Yeah, my dad was a uh, hundred first airborne. Right, and he went, in the fifties, what they learned is combat judo. Oh, damn, and, that's uh, the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the old style. Right, I had nothing, it don't look shit like judo. No, no. Okay, <laughs> but that was the name. It's basically. It's throwing your ass on your head and beating the shit out of you pretty right, much. And, uh, right. I remember he would take me in the backyard, and uh, I was always a big kid myself, and he goes, okay, let's do this, this, and this. And for some odd reason, I'd always end up like in a chokehold with him sitting on my back, <laughs> slapping me in the head, saying I did it wrong. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, that, that, that was my first intake to martial arts with my pop. Nice. How, how old were you, Mike? I got, I got beat up one time when I was a young kid. I'm about maybe, oh, 12 years old, and the guy who beat me up was named David. Yeah, and his actual nickname was Daisy. And when my dad found that out, he said, "You let a guy named Daisy beat your ass." <laughs> I said, "Well, Dad, he was a good boxer." So my old man handed—I broke my glasses, right? And the glasses weren't cheap. No, no. My dad handed me a two by four, and he said, "You want to see again? Go finish it." No shit. No shit, and I went and finished it. I got a new set of glasses. <laughs> I couldn't have gotten laid if you paid me, man. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That's great. That was that was your first. And did you continue studying, or was there a break, or you just kind of? Uh, when I where I was growing up was a little town in southern Indiana, man. We had, I mean, the whole county had twelve thousand people, and we only got we had no schools. So I wrestled a little bit in grade school, right. uh, wrestled, and you know, coming up, we did we had grade school and high school. That was it. Right. But we used to be able to get one magazine in town. It was called Official Karate. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. And uh, there was a man by the name of Sensei Peter Urban from USA Goju. Oh, yeah, Goju. Peter Urban, sure. Yeah, and, and I always wanted to train USA Goju, but we, of course, where I was from, we didn't have nobody. No. Nah. But I could, I mimicked every photo in that magazine, and I learned how to <laughs> throw kicks. I yeah. taught myself, and I must have broke 40 brooms to right. make nunchucks. No kidding. My, That's so funny. <laughs> you know? That's how I learned. And then, right. of course, when I went into the service at uh, 18, my old man told me, he said, you got three choices. You can work in the factory, go to college, or join the army. But there was a caveat to each one. He said, "You're too lazy for the factory. You're too dumb for college. I'm taking you to the recruiter's office." <laughs> and that's where I went. I went in the army, and of course, in the army, you know, you meet all types of people. Right. And uh, I met uh, guys who did kajukembo, guys who did goju, guys who did wing chun, and we just all got together. And that's where I started to learn how to box because I used to box in smokers uh-huh. in yeah. our uh, in our army unit. I remember uh, fighting sergeant. The only time I got to hit an enlisted guy or an NCO without going to the joint was yeah. I got to fight a sergeant a slaughter. And he was a good boxer, but he was lacing up his gloves too slow, so I popped him while he was lacing no up No kidding. His <laughs> you mean the sergeant slaughter? Yeah, I, I knocked his ass straight to the ground. That's you so great. It's like, well, goddamn right. You're going to kick my ass if I didn't do that. <laughs> That's why I started boxing, you know. And then when I came out of the service, I moved to San Antonio. Yeah. And I was really honored. I got accepted as a student by um, Sifu Gary Swan of the Chinese Kempo lineage under Stephen LeBounty. Uh-huh. And I, I started studying uh, Chinese Kempo under him for several years. And then I kind of got out of that because I started seeing that uh, while it was a great system, it had fuck all to do with the goddamn streets. Right. You know what I mean? It didn't have much to do with it. Mm. And that's when I got into bouncing, which was uh, schooling in itself. And I got Absolutely. into all that type of stuff, you know? Yeah. A lot Mike, of this... Mike you, you, okay. you must have found it a bit funny to go from your dad, who was giving you this World War combatives kind of syllabus stuff, which, which a lot of people end up that way, to a traditional martial art, right? Whereas most people go the other way around. What was that like? It was, it was uh, tough because... I wasn't very disciplined. I like to fight. Yeah. I've always liked to fight. I never needed martial arts to fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just wanted to be a better ass kicker. Yeah, yeah. And so right. I would go to martial arts to learn that. I never needed whole, holier than thou zen. I, I'm not all about that. With my dad, it was like, 
let's go in the backyard. I think dad was just working out some angst on my ass too. <laughs> but, you know, going into the, the real traditional Kempos, I got in trouble one time at a workshop with uh, Sifu uh, Stephen Labounty was in. I'll never forget it. We were all lined up and, you know, you got your standing in your positions and all that. And he was walking down the line and he was asking everybody what their favorite weapon was. And, of course, everybody was giving the cliche dojo answer, sidekick, sir. Reverse punch, sir. He got to me and he asked me and I told him, 77 Buick, sir. <laughs> and, he, and he got all pissed off and he kicked me out. And later on, he asked me, why would you say that? And I said, well, if I know I'm going to fight and I got the opportunity to hit you with a car, guess what? I'm going to hit you with a car. <laughs> and he, and he, did, he didn't quite understand it, but that, my old man taught me that way. Right. My dad said, if you know you're going to a fight, be first. Be nasty and, and hit him with a brick. Right. And then use something. Right. You know? And from there, I got into... Uh, I got into Ed Parker's karate yeah. uh, under uh, Sifu, I can't even remember his name, Mr. Castro down here. He was one of Larry Tatum's guys. Oh, yeah. And here again, I learned a whole lot of stuff that, I, that I've incorporated into my own work. I believe uh, uh, Mr. Parker's uh, motion, uh, his relativity of motion theories are, are fantastic, and they just they transcend Marshall's system. But I just had a problem that uh, it was so heavily technique-oriented and a lot of the techniques were performed that if my fist stays out there, by God, I'm looking good. But if that fist retracts and here comes a left hook and a right hook behind, you know, now all of a sudden, how is this working? Yeah. And when I got to uh, train that and all of a sudden I started thinking, wow, this is uh, good, but it's not teaching me how to engage live with somebody. Yeah. So from that point there, I had my uh, dream come true. I had been working as a bouncer. I had been working as a, uh, I was starting to do some collections. Uh -huh. uh, collections, I'm not going to say for good people or bad collections. Sure. Okay? Collections, we got you. And, uh, yeah, and most, of the, and most of this stuff, like I said, I'm a big man. I'm six foot five, and I've always been pushing the 295, 300 mark. I've always lifted. I've always done these things. And all of a sudden, uh, there was one of Peter Urban's top uh, black belts, uh, Kiyoshi Balfour Wright from New York City, came into town. He was retired Army living here. So I had the opportunity to finally train USA Goju under Peter Urban's, one of his top guys. Yeah. I went to the school, cocky me, I was young, and thinking I knew everything, and uh, he invited me to spar. Like, okay, we're going to spar. Okay, cool, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Man, I went out there cocky, and I threw some chicken shit right hand, left hand. He stepped back, hook kick, broke my nose, knocked me on the ground. Woke me up. I sat in a chair. He had me hold of my nose. And I looked at him. I said, where do I sign? Yeah, and that's that's right. Started. Awesome story. And that's where I started Goju. And I stayed right. with Goju for uh, eight years. I trained USA Goju for eight years wow. under him. And I earned a second Dan in that nice. rank. That was a tough system. I When I was in that, I fought... Uh, a lot of the old school Ipon Kumite, where it was blood rules. Right. Uh, I fought uh, regional Sabaki championships here in San Antonio and San Angelo, Alpine, all through Texas. We fought, and it was just rock and sock and robots, man. man. I mean, it was a young man's game. I'm still, I still, I don't have a knuckle on my third finger on my right hand. I have no knuckle. It's all gone. Somebody now. smarter than me. I threw a punch at him, and he ducked, and I hit him in the crown of the head and shattered it. It was yeah. gone. <laughs> I've done that a few times. Myself. Oh, you exactly know what I mean. Right, right, right. So how much, like, you know, it's I find interesting because I've done a lot of self study too in martial arts, you know, whether it be books or magazines or videos back in the day and you can actually learn quite a bit from them if you have the ability to really focus on it and put it together a lot of people don't have that skill so you had that skill right away i mean you could pretty much watch oh, something and get the idea of how to do it and, and go back and yeah. work it right i've always been real athletic i mean I, i've always been i mean i can kick left footed kick right footed punch right. left you know it doesn't i can right right handed left i'm ambidextrous as hell that's but, good you know, I found out all this stuff was good, and then I started uh, dabbling into the Wing Chun world, which really uh, changed my perspective on a lot of things. Because I, ne I never trained Wing Chun uh, with guys who couldn't fight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A lot of guys, I hate to say it, but Wing Chun is one of those systems you see it on YouTube, and it says, yeah. Muay Thai fighter destroys Wing Chun fighter. Right. Well, of course, because the Wing Chun guy standing there in a Yi Chi Kim Young training stance and thinks he's going to stand there and fight a Muay Thai guy who's going to blow both of his legs up with one shot. Right. And I've always told people, I said, there's there's three elements to learning any system, and you have to have all three. You have to learn a learning mode, a training mode, and a fighting mode. 
Yeah. If you don't have all three of these, you're never going to be complete at it. But the, the, the crucial thing I is like the that. learning. Yeah. In a system like Wing Chun, there's stuff like the E.G. Kim Yong Ma, that stance. Everybody says, well, we don't fight like that, do we? And I said, no. But you know what? We damn sure condition our legs like that. Mm-hmm. And you can do thousands and thousands of reps with that. It's a, and it's the same thing with the punching. Everybody says, well, you only punch the, the uh, vertical method. And I said, no, we don't just punch the vertical method. You may punch that way. My Wing Chun punch is vertical, rolls over the top, short hooks, uppercuts, elbows, bilgies, chops, whatever. Yeah. A lot of guys in Wing Chun, yeah, exactly. A lot of guys in Wing Chun, they are lineage-based yeah, to the point where absolutely. I think it's because it, it's paralyzing for them, right? They just never get out of that mode. They're not thinking out of the box. They're just do, exactly. re- replicating this shit. Exactly. And it man, if anybody does their homework, what did it man say? For Wing Chun to be successful and for Wing Chun to work, you have to make it yours. Bingo. You just do. And right. the man who really taught me Wing Chun uh, was Sifu Scott Baker, who actually went into, I believe it was UFC 1 or 2 and fought in it and did it quite well. He got, he got finally got choked out by Jason DeLuca, and that's a story in itself. You know, Jason, well, Jason was a tough fighter, actually. He yeah, was. and they, they were good friends, and they had gone out drinking the night before their fight. That's and this was back before there was tradition. This was back before right. there was cutting weights. This was back before all that. And Sifu Baker used to tell me, he goes, let me tell you something. He was from New Zealand. He goes, let me tell you something, mate. Never drink a half a gallon of vodka with Jason DeLuca and wear a gi under hot lights in your life. <laughs> he said they were, they were both so tired that they had agreed that at the end of this fight that Scott just said, because Scott was a big, heavy guy like yeah. me. He goes, I'm done. Just put it on me. <laughs> but Sifu Baker was one of those guys. He was six. He, he retired back to New Zealand. He's six foot Five, four, oh, wow. 295, 300. He's, he's my size. So when I showed up to his house for private lessons, uh, it was game on, man. Nice. He, he fought with it. He had also kickboxed, and he had also done Hawaiian Lua. And mm-hmm. so he put all this stuff together, and he was formidable as hell, man. And right. he told me when he was in New Zealand, he used to get picked on quite a bit because he was a smaller boy. Man. I don't know. Yeah. So he said, I went to Tom Hun Fan's Wing Chun, and Tom Hun Fan was, I believe, under Leong Ting and then under Ip Man. And he said, all the guys that were kicking my ass were in the Wing Chun school. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, great. And I learned from him, you know, and that's where I learned. He had trained in the Yong Kei San Wing Chun as, as well, mm-hmm. which is the, the second side of the house. So I got that perspective. Right. And from there, now I'm into the Duncan Leung stuff with Seafood Dustin Carroll out of Alabama. Yeah. And it is a totally different animal. Really? Totally different. Is it, is it, is it, you find it, difficult to separate the arts when you're doing them or you're able to do it with no problem i don't i don't think separate there is no reason to separate it's all motion i agree i agree completely but sometimes guys get caught you know they're doing c lot they're doing this and that you're got and it's counterintuitive a lot of times because the techniques are diametrically opposed to each other you know we stand this way we do it this way we stand this way we do it this way so yeah. if you find if there's learning, just a truth in the martial a, arts, learning, just a system, learning a new system isn't even that hard. Right. You just have to clear your mind of what you know while you're learning something right. new. And then what I tell people all the time is you can go to class as much as you want, but unless you take it into your own personal laboratory on your own personal time yep. and create your own freaking monster, it ain't never going to work for you. I agree. It just won't because mimicry is a piece to the puzzle, but it's the first piece to the puzzle. I have to watch you do that double leg takedown. I have to observe you do that double leg takedown. I have to help you you step me through that double leg takedown. But now that I understand that double leg takedown, I need to be able to hit that from every angle that I can think of that so that makes a six foot five, three hundred pound man optimal with it. Right. That's the key to learn. That's learning mode. And that then that goes straight into that training mode. But mimicry is the only first step. Sadly, in Wing Chun and a lot of the systems out there. Mimicry is the only way, and so guy, it's never theirs. It's always their teachers because they right. never get past the. And never yeah, Bruce Lee calls that the mechanical stage. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, exactly. right, you're just stuck there. They never get out of it, they, and they refuse to get out of it. Right? Who said I have to poke it up pajamas before I do a sidekick? <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Right, right, right. That's funny. Now, how did you get in? How did sorry. you get into? I'm sorry, Dad, Tom. I had two two very quick questions for Mike. One, um, I was listening to another one of your interviews, and you were talking about how Win Chung works 
uh, very well at range, which I guess mm-hmm. is not something it's associated with. So I wanted to hear a bit about that. And the other one is Jim and I met through JKD, which is sometimes <laughs> thought as a bit of an evolution of Wing Chun. Yeah. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? And is that something you've studied or had 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 much interest in? Well, I, I believe Wing Chun works at range if you know how to work range. Right. There's something we do in Wing Chun called long bridge hitting. Uh, and, you know, in most Wing Chun, when you see guys hitting, what are they always squared up, shoulder to shoulder, center line to center line. Right. And they're always worried about controlling somebody else's center. My take on Wing Chun is I could give two shits less about your center. I'm going to control my center. Mm. I'm controlling my center. I don't care if you're moving here or here. When I'm in a fighting stance, and I and the way I teach Wing Chun and learn Wing Chun, we use three we use three weight uh, shifts. We have a rear sixty forty, a fifty fifty, and a forward forty sixty. And from that fifty fifty, when I'm standing there with you, and when I go to hit you long range, I'm pushing with my back. I'm snapping the shoulder on a vertical punch, and they call that long bridge because I'm really reaching out with the back. You see Bruce Lee do it quite a bit right. where he elongates that back. And once I'm in that. 40-60 forward hitting you when I come right back, now I drop back to that 50-50 for the body shot. Yeah. So at long range, whether it's Busau, and people also tend to forget there's a little something in Wing Chun called a front kick, the two-girk. Now, a lot of people use the two-girk as a push kick only, but under Duncan Leung lineage and under uh, Sifu Carroll and Dave Meadows and these guys, it's not that. It's almost like you're po- popping up with a jab to the, snap, to the sack or to the knees, and you're in a 60-40 rear stance. That way I got distance between me. Mm-hmm. Now, as to JKD, my, my thought on JKD is if you understand martial motion, we all have our own JKD. Right. Isn't J, my, my whole idea of JK, JKD is take whatever is useful to you and make it your own. Right. Mm-hmm. JKD as taught as a rote concept of these are the methods of JKD and this is the way we do JKD. This has to be here. I get that. But in essence, everybody has their own. Uh, I, I do a lot of stuff Bruce Lee does. I don't. I do it a little bit differently. I believe in turning the shoulder. I believe in uh, a narrower stance when I'm trying to come in. I believe in kick hands. I believe in covering zones at the same time. All the things that he talks about. Right. Now, of course, you take your height, you take your weight into effect, and everything changes a little bit. But unless you're willing to take all of this into your own personal laboratory, you're never going to get it. I mean, I spend hours. I teach hours. But I spend hours in my uh, in my little dingy garage out here on wall bags, on wooden dummies, <laughs> yeah. on conditioning, and just playing with shit. Oh, if I can do this, I can. Oh shit, I can just do this. That's why a wooden dummy is one of the greatest things ever built. They only put boobs on it; it would be better. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, maybe you should come. Maybe you should try selling that. Might make it on the back. So make it slow dance a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. And I've often said when I've talked to people, it's like you know, you got to like you said, take it to your laboratory and work the shit out of it. Find out what yeah. works for you. It's not about me. It's not about the style. It's about you because of your strengths, your weaknesses, your likes and your dislikes. That is so important. And I think and so many people miss that. that. People forgetting is understanding your age, right. understanding you what you can and cannot do. Maybe to, like me, I broke my back in two car wrecks. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people say, well, why don't I use a low Muay Thai roundhouse like I used to when I fought Goju? Because I told them I've had L5 and S1 pop twice. Wow. If I wind up and I miss or I throw that out, it doesn't matter. I mean, I can have a Glock on me and it's not going to matter because when my back goes out, man. You go. I mean, I get sciatica down the right leg, and I can't even stand it can get that bad. Oh, That's why man. I love Wing Chun so much, because the structure of Wing Chun, and Wing Chun is structure. My shoulders are over my hips. My hips are centered with my knees. And I'm in that loose body connected uh, link mm-hmm. position. And so I don't ever throw anything that can compromise my back. When I turn my horse... Uh, I learned this through a Sifu Baker. A lot of people, when they turn their horse, which is the shifting of the feet and the hips, they lead with the hips. Well, if I lead with my hips, I got a big problem because of the injury. So I load a leg first. I'll load whatever leg I'm going to be going to that other side, load that leg, and then pop across with the leg push. It's a little bit quicker, and it's a a hell of a lot less on my back because if my back goes out and and I end up on the ground with somebody, man, now I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you, how did you get into like when uh, into body? I mean, not I mean, um, uh, bounty hunting. How did, how did you fall into that? I was working as a bouncer in a pretty rough, uh, biker bar right. uh, that was actually a one percenter and, bar down here. Wow. 
Uh, you learn a lot there, don't you? I mean, you learn what really works. Yeah, man, I, I got man, I got some stories. I'm sure. I'll tell you one real quick. I was sitting there bouncing on New Year's, 1993. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was 93 or 94. And uh, I'll never forget it. There was a bunch of uh, a local 1% chapter. I won't say a name. Yeah, yeah. Killed. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there with the guys, and, uh, you know, I'm bouncing. Of course, at a bouncer and 1% joint, what are you also you doing? Drinking. Right. You know? Yeah, bouncing's really, you're kind of just there because I'm six foot five. You know, <laughs> just there for that I'll never forget it. Uh, the guy I'm sitting with, he goes, hey, man, can you go into the bathroom and check on my old lady? She's been, she's been gone for a while. I said, yeah, man. I said, I can do that. So I went in there and I walked into the girl's bathroom. It was no big deal, you know. And I see her in there and she's doing a shitload of dope, right? Oh, no kidding. So I said, okay, okay, she's doing dope. I'll just come back out and tell him. So I come back out and I said, hey, man. I said, your old lady's in there. She'll be out in a minute. She's, she's getting fixed up. And he goes, what? And he jumps up. As soon as he says, what? She comes out of the bathroom with a 25 automatic and shoots him in the wow, chest. Wow, no kidding. Right in front of me. But it, it, here's the funny part. It was a 25 and he was wearing... He was wearing a leather vest, but he also had his big leather coat, you know, yeah. his big leather biker coat. So that 25 penetrated the leather. He opens up his shirt, and a 25 slug is embedded in his big, fat, hairy chest. No The kidding. guy goes in wow. there, pops the plate, and pops out the, the slug, which blood's going everywhere now. Wow. And his old lady just stands there looking at him. And before I knew it, man, she got rat packed by about six dudes from that organization right there. And that was a very good lesson in awareness, right? Right. There. Yeah. And that, and, and that that's a real world scenario that I that I witnessed and saw. That yeah. holy shit, man! It can go down like that. Right. Right. Because you get a lot, a lot of people don't understand that. All right. So that right, you're saying that that situa- that awareness, being aware of yeah. your surroundings. So many people are so oblivious. I mean, you go to the mall or go shop, just watch everybody on their phone constantly. Looking at it, taking yeah. selfies, a texting, completely oblivious to the world, you know. Yeah, or, or in the or in the park uh, wearing earphones, and right? Why Which is nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so dangerous. Did you say? Did you get? That, did you, so that's when, how I got into uh, uh, bounty hunting because uh, there was, you know, where you have one percent bikers, where you have the criminal element, you're also going to have a law element. Right. We had lawyers coming in drinking with these guys because when you when you're partying with outlaws, what is it? Wow, this is the cool place to go. <laughs> right. You're kind of you're kind of hardening your own self by being around these people. A lot of people think. Right. And so I was sitting in there one day, and a guy said, "Hey, you're a big son of a bitch. Have you ever uh, thought about getting into bail enforcement?" I was like, "The only time I was ever in bail enforcement is somebody's trying to bail me out." You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the guy said, "Gave me a business card and." Uh, I called him up, and he goes, I need somebody to go get picked up. And I was like, well, what do you need? He goes, well, we know where he's at. It's not a big, serious bond. It was a, uh, he, had, he had skipped on, uh, I believe it was uh, child, child uh, care. He had to pay his uh, child support. And he skipped on it, and he, he skipped the bail. And So I said, okay, yeah, I'll go get him. And uh, I went with this real old crusty bastard to get him who was worthless as tits on a bull because he was half drunk. <laughs> And we went to a shitty side of town, and sure enough, man, uh, we tracked him to this little local watering hole, and uh, it was it was actually quite easy. I came in, and I said, hey, your name is such and such, and as soon as he said, yeah, that's me, I just grabbed him by his back of his neck, and I put him down on the bar and uh, put my cuffs on him. I even cuffed him wrong, man. <laughs> cuffed him in the front. And I, 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 that's so funny. And so I walked him out, and I threw him in the back of my truck, and he was all freaked out. He started kicking the back of my chair saying, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do this. So he, he was fucking up the inside of my truck at the time, so I pulled over in a parking lot, opened the back door, and I just smacked him in the mouth and dropped him. <laughs> and him down the seat. Oh, Got down to Bear County Sheriff, and I turned him in. And uh, <laughs> one of the sheriff's deputies who processed him said, come here a minute, come here a minute. And he goes, who are you working for? So I showed him the card because I was running off this guy's license. And he goes, can I give you a word of advice? He goes, don't ever bring in a subject like that again, handcuffed in front and beat the shit. He said, you'll be the one going to jail. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I said, I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I mean, that was my first day on right, the you job. didn't know shit. But you yeah. know what? The guy paid me $650 to bring him in. Wow, that's not okay. bad. No, and that was – but then, then shit started getting hinky. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was starting to go on bigger bonds with people and going on stuff where people were – like trying to evade the uh, re-arrest because they had jumped on a dope charge. Right. And those people are scary because a lot of those people uh, 
they don't feel shit, you know. Right. But I, I got a lot of life lessons in that in that game. I bet there, you man. did. You, you you start to you really learn how to dodge. Really well. <laughs> right. So was it anything like that show, Dog the Bounty Hunter, or was that show just no, completely that, bullshit? That, that, I, you know, Dog was one of those guys. He did time in Texas. That's why he couldn't carry a gun. Oh. Uh, you know, of course, the guys he was going after, I don't know if these cats were any good or not. I mean, I was in the game a short while, but everywhere I went, man, I carried a gun. Right. Uh, the guy, if I rode with a guy, he carried a gauge. Uh, we didn't care. We didn't wear body armor or vests and all that shit, which we probably should have back then. But that was that was so far removed from all that. You know, you yeah. didn't really have all the top notch stuff you have today. But I got out of it because the laws in Texas started changing, where you can no longer kick a door, you can no longer proclaim yourself as a uh, bounty hunter. You had to be a bail enforcement agent. Yeah. You had to carry so much life insurance, so much this insurance, so much this insurance. And plain and simple. Instead of making 10% per bond, uh, the guys, the industry went to 4% per bond. And I'll be damned if I'm going to go hang myself out to drive for 4%. For 4% yeah, right. Yeah, New you Jersey know, just had bail time. reform, too, and I think it's killed that business as well up here. Yeah. Yeah, New Jersey is like, a, you know. It's killed it, man. I mean, right. you used to be able to kick in a door and just grab a dude right. by the hair and slam him. No which more. a lot of these guys, that's how you deal with it. But now... It's everything in this world is PC, and you know, oh, get, Jesus. you have, you have to worry about his feelings because even anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a safe place. All oh, these snowflakes, it's ridiculous. Hey, how did you come up with? When did you start CMOC, and how did you come up with the idea? Uh, I, I started CMOC in. Oh, what, does it st- I, what does it stand for? Simple, effective, aggressive methods of combate. Combate, gotcha. Combate is how they say combat in the Philippines, but okay. on the inside, no, it's Southeast Asian methods of killing. Ooh, that's good. Because, because dude, let's be honest, uh, the way I see life and the way I train martial arts, I did all my competition days years ago and it helped me. Right. But, I mean, if I get into a situation now, I'm going to try to put you away. Right. And I'm, I mean, I'm going I'm to put you away somehow. I mean, you may you may get well, but you're never going to be better. <laughs> That's a good line. I'm going to steal that, brother. I don't have time to jack around, man. Right. You know, I'm 54 years old. I got a little girl to get home to. Right, uh, no doubt. Seamock came. I studied Bikini Tertia with Leo Gahe, Tim Wade, the late Ricky Riera, all these cats. And I learned my knife stuff. And the reason I started Bikini Tertia is when I was in Gojuru, I was working at a uh, titty bar here called Tiffany's Cabaret. And there's the (laughs) night of the Cornell Whitaker. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez fight here in San Antonio. Uh-huh. And so, man, the, the club was, was like max capacity times two. Yeah. We had this dude who bit a dancer on the ass and bit out a chunk of meat or grass. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I go down there, and I got to get this cat out of the club. So I got him in a chokehold here, and I got him in an arm bar here, and I'm walking him through the front foyer of the club. Yeah. And I never saw his buddy. I didn't even see his buddy at the center stage, so I didn't know. Next thing you know, I just caught it. He looped over my right shoulder and he drove a cutoff uh, screwdriver into my chest. Wow! And he nicked my lung, and it, it drove in there. And man, I tell you what, uh, I, I pulled, I shoved him into the mirrors in the foyer, and the mirrors came crashing down on him. Thank God there was two other bouncers in that area to take care of him. Yeah, no I remember doubt. pulling open my shirt, and this blue blood was pumping. No. This dark blue, this dark blood. And I was like, oh shit, I couldn't breathe. Uh, and on next thing you know, I woke up and I was on a respirator, you know, they were pumping back up the lung and stuff. And I was in the hospital a few days. Right. And, uh, I knew something was wrong with my training at that point. <laughs> Not only wrong. didn't I recognize it, I had no, I, I had no clue what to do with it. I had already been, I was already a black belt in Goju. Yeah. My instructor being very traditional and taught the Japanese ways basically didn't even deal with the knife. So I said, I got to make a move. So I went to Pekini Tertia, which is the knife. <laughs> And that's where I started learning knife work, yeah. stick work, all these I've different knife things. Work. It, looks great. It, it really taught me how to engage with another person using the triangle footwork, the tri-V footwork, using the, uh, what we call the diamond and all these types of footwork. And so once I got into that, I was in that, I guess, with Ricky Riera and the boys probably eight or nine years. And I had earned Lakan Guru, which is a, a instructor status. I had trained with Leo Guy. I had trained with Tim Wade and all these top guys. And uh, that's when I got into my car wreck. In 2002, mm-hmm. I got hit by a drunk driver. In a, I was driving, coming home from work at a red light in yeah. a little geo prism. You know how small those are. Yeah, no, yeah they're tiny. And, uh, yeah, that's all I could afford, so that's what I was cruising. Man. I, I looked like a goddamn troll getting out of that thing. <laughs> I'm, at a, I'm on a hill at a red light, and mm-hmm. a, I think it was a five-ton winch truck, one of those trucks that puts up the neon sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Preston DeHill at five at five in the evening, sun hit him in the eyes, hit me in the back, rolled over the top of my truck or my car, broke my seat bracket, which broke my lower back, snapped my ankle, drove down into the uh, firewall, uh, internal damage, some cracked ribs. Wow. He bounced off of me and killed the lady next to me. No kidding. So they took me out of the car for dead. And uh, I never had to have the surgery. They wanted to cage my back, but I refused to let them cage my back because I had talked to my dad. What is that? Do it what is cage in your back? Then literally, they, they put a cage around the injured disc area, and they yeah. put rods, four rods on each side. Really? And they drill into your spine. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I refuse to do that. So I started healing myself slowly. I didn't walk for almost six months. Really? My, no uh, kidding. My wow. late wife at the time, we were just dating. And uh, she, she, when she was here, she could tell you that uh, she used to have to help me up out of bed because it was like a five-minute process to get out of bed. So I didn't train for close to, oh, God, a year and a half, two years before I could really start moving again. But I started doing bikini again, and I realized there were certain things I could no longer do. I mean, they do a lot of ranging, and they do a lot of elongating of their spine and, uh -huh. and uh, waving in and out. And every time I did that, my shit was in the wind. So I kept studying on my own, trying to build things. And I always liked the Illustrissimo system under Tatang Illustrissimo and Yuli Romo just because everything was more upright. Your, your shoulders were over your hips. Your hips were over your knees, that type yeah. of thing. So I had, I had won a little bit of money in a settlement from this company. And I called Yuli Romo up one day and I said, hey, I'm coming to the Philippines. Will you teach me? And I flew to the Philippines. Wow. And uh, I stayed for, I, I visited my wife's family there, but I, I was trained with Yuli, I believe it was 27 days, 8 to 10 hours a day in the Illustrissimo system, nope. which is a very, very simple system. Is it? Is it? And, oh, it's beautiful. It, it, it's, it's, it's just street lethal. Tatang was a killer, so, I mean, plain and simple. Right. And once you understand that system, I came back, and then for a year I didn't do any teaching at all. I just took everything that I learned from Goju, Everything that I knew from the Wing Chun, uh -huh. everything that I knew from the little bit of C-Lot, the boxing, the wrestling, the bikini, uh, and, and put it into this Illustrissimo framework. Uh -huh. And took what I found pertinent from Illustrissimo, and I built CMOC, which is a simple five-level, uh, level, listen to me, level yeah. uh, funnel system. You have... Ten things at level one, you have eight things at level two, you have six things at three, you have four things at, you know, all the way down. Mm -hmm. How does water come out of a funnel? Fast. Right. And you can get very good at CMOT very quickly because I designed it to get people good now. Simple, Same direct, and effective, yeah. yeah. Because people don't have time. I mean, I came up in systems right. where I was horse stance for, for a freaking year throwing punches at the air. Yeah, yeah. Okay? That doesn't happen anymore. No, you know one of the questions so is people like how long does it take to be an MMA fighter? How long does it take to become a CQC instructor or a JKD instructor? And the answer I give them is I don't know. Maybe never. May, may, yeah. might, you know, if Michael Jordan comes and joins your basketball team, you know, you don't have to teach him much. It might be you know that kind of talent might come in. And there's other guys who have no business yeah. fighting. You know, Andy Dick comes on your team. You, you, it's a lifetime. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know? Now, but so, I also tell people too, you can be a you can be a, a CQC combatives instructor in one seminar. Yeah. All you got to do is pay the money. And sadly, that's right. what you're seeing today. Well, yeah, right. That's what mm. you see a lot of today. It's pathetic. I see more seafoods and. Guys who are like twenty five years old who have, you know have all this rank and stuff. It's it's a joke. Yeah. Well, you know a lot of that. A lot of this is coming from one simple reason. After after that, we got pulled out of Iraq and after we pulled out of these places, right. a lot of these guys were former this or former that, who are gun guys primarily. Yeah. All of a sudden, they get a little bit of combatives training in, or they get a little bit of knife training in them, and they start to market themselves. And I mean, I, hey, it's a free market, man. We're all capitalist pigs. Right. But I mean, I, I take I take umbrage with a lot of this because I see a lot of the stuff these guys put out. I've been doing this 38 years, mm -hmm. and I see some of these guys and their combatives, and I look at it and I go, "What? You gonna get somebody killed?" Yeah, it's shit. I mean, I agree. And people jump on that because, well, I'm going to go train with a former Delta or a former right. SEAL or a former this. And trust me, I train with those guys too, but I train with them and what they're good at: gun work. Right. You know, that's what I train with these guys in his gun work. But I look at some of these guys, and God bless them, man. I'm, I'm proud of what you did. I'm a veteran myself. But sometimes you got to take, you know, you got to take personal stock in what you're putting out there. When I see some of this stuff out there, man, I just absolutely cringe. I do, too. Yeah. 
we, we had a really we had a great show with um, a guy called Andrew Jansen a number of weeks ago who I train on East with, and he he was talking about how with with the combative stuff it, it's it, and I, I won't name the systems that we talked about but it, it you can have a collection of techniques that 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 nothing there's no there's nothing underlying it there's no there's no principles and it's for people who want a shortcut they can't be bothered to do a whole system they're never going to go to the philippines like you did and nail you know nail things down they want something that looks cool they can get a t-shirt get the tattoo and you know yep. get, get the rank um, now, yeah, and, yeah. That, and that's what it is. Rank, rank has become uh, a goal. I remember a day uh, you would ask my teachers in any system I ever trained because I always trained backyard garage ninja shit, man. Best way to train. I remember, yeah, you would you would ask some you would ask one of my teachers, well, when am I going to test, man? You'd get your teeth knocked out. Right. It just it, it just wasn't happening. You don't that, that That's the way I teach my guys because I believe in deep end training. You can take an adult if I throw your ass in the damn deep end of the lake. Guess what? I guarantee you're going to start bobbing. You're going to start moving. You're going to start trying to save lives. Yeah. See, I don't teach children due to the liability reasons in this country, man. I don't play that. I teach my own. But teaching an adult, I throw you in the deep end on night one. I'm not going to sit there and make you do stuff for six months before I think you're ready to go on and do some more penny any shit. Yeah. I got you moving. I got you hitting. I got day you one. stepping. Day one. Yeah. Because when you walk out of my class, you may get, you know, Hector, the homeboy down here coming across the border who may want to try your ass. Right. You don't know. I'm in South Texas. I'm two hours from the border, man. You, you never know what's going to get here. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, the other day, I was watching some video and you were talking. I don't know what the hell video it was. We were talking about your the, the knife you prefer to carry or use is the Bowie knife. Yep. Yeah, now, it, I like big I like big knives. And the Bowie doesn't necessarily have to be a monster blade. I, although I can't carry a monster blade because it's legal in Texas. I designed a buoy, uh, and I'll put a little shameless plug out there to my boys. No, definitely give it. Give the plug, Ed. Give us how we can get it and check yeah, it out. But he's a student of mine, Brian Moreland. It's called JB Knife and Tool. It's called the Warthog Buoy. The war, and you designed and this. I designed it. Nice. It's, uh, what is this called? Tell me what this is again. What is it? What, uh, it's what? called a Warthog Buoy. Uh huh. Nice. And it's a it's a rootin' son of a bitch, and it's five inches, and it's got four and a half to five inch handle. Nice. It's got the uh, it's got the top edge, you know, the curvature on the top edge sharp, and the bottom edge is sharp. Nice. And that son of a bitch can be carried concealed, and when it comes out, it comes out ripping. Nice. And, and I believe in a I believe in a I believe in big steel because big steel can do what little steel can do, but little steel can't do what big steel can do. Uh, very it true. Just can't. That's right. And I know the big phase right now is all the small knives and the this and the that and the this and the that. But you know what? Uh, I always tell people, you come at me with one of them little fucking pocket rockets. I pull this buoy. <laughs> game changes. Oh, yeah, it is. Because I got, I'm using distance. Having been in a few knife, I call them knife brawls, not knife fights. That's good. Having one. been stabbed on a few occasions and cut on a few occasions. How the, how the fuck are you still alive with all the shit that's happening to <laughs> you? Hey, I'm I mean, you're like you just I keep coming back, man. I got two cuts across my right hand. Yeah. I got stabbed in my left leg. Jesus I the Christ. One in chest and I got one across my thumb. Good Lord. And I've been shot in the ass with rock salt for throwing dogs. Nice. How did that feel? <laughs> shot in the ass with rock salt was the most painful out of all. Is that right? Oh, boy. <laughs> we, my buddy, uh, we, were, we were in high school pulling uh, yeah. pranks on dudes. You know, yeah. Typical high school shit. We were drinking uh, Wiedemann beer and cold duck, so we were already nice. shit-faced. And there was some farmer we didn't like or whatever. And we, he said, hey, man, Blackie, go up there and uh, put shit in the bag. Okay. <laughs> I went up there and put shit in the bag. When I threw that shit on the bag on the front porch, man, that fucking goddamn house light came on. Oh, no shit. And I jumped off that porch, and <laughs> Jerry was already cutting through the fucking field. I'm like, oh, Left you hanging, yeah. And all I heard was, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. In the ass, twenty gauge load of oh man, about fifty feet away, and just you know, just enough to burn your ass. Oh man, <laughs> I got a home. My old man was. Uh, I said, Dad, I got shot in the ass with rock salt. Just pick it out yourself. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh yeah, man. But I, I, I'm one of those cats. I've been in a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I tell people uh, my choices in my life when I got out of the service and even in the service. Right. I, I'm honest with people. I, I rode the left side of the fence. Yeah. You know, I did things. I worked in bouncer. I worked in collecting money. I worked in 
uh, I used to drive uh, call girls around and collect their money for them. Yeah, uh, I like I like money. I didn't like work so much. I like money. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did stuff down in Mexico for certain people way back when. Wow. You know? Sometimes I had to stay down there because I couldn't come back over here. Mm-hmm. Statute of limitations are up now, so I can talk about it. <laughs> so I learned a lot of violence doing things like that. I didn't get all these tattoos on my arms because I'm the nicest guy. You right. know, they worked as great defense mechanisms. No doubt. And so that, that's where I learned a lot of my violence was just being in it, you know. Yeah. That's why, I, you know, I, I hear guys talk hard and I hear all these different things. And now they see 54-year-old Mike with a gray beard, you know, and they're like, oh, he's an old man. I'm like, you keep thinking that. You go ahead and keep thinking that. You know, once you, if you summoned your demons before for real, they come back real quick when you need them. You know, yeah, yeah. and that's a fact. So yeah, I, I, it's uh, it's been a hell of a ride, man. Oh no, I should no, write no. a book. You should, you should. Now, do you teach? How do you? Because uh, well, I want to uh, get to a few questions. How does someone find you to train with you? Do you teach? You just accept students that you got to size them up. Uh, how I do you mean, go about that? I mean, Facebook is, is a wonderful thing. Oh, man. you're on it all the time. It's great. You yeah. know, they find me via Facebook. I don't have a website. I've gone that route. The website was more hassle than it was worth. It's a pain guys, in the ass. Uh, guys, word of mouth find me. Right. I don't. I don't. Uh, you know, have a whole lot of students down here. I got five, seven that's that kind right, of yeah. come in and out. Most of them are professional guys. Right. Uh, all men. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't I don't accept everybody as students because I, I've had people come in here and they tell me their feet hurt after a night. And I'm like, well, you need to go someplace else. Right. And my goal is never to get rich on this. I just like to teach and I like to train and I like yeah, to keep okay. sharp. Mm-hmm. I make my money on my workshops. You yeah. Know? And do you do those all over? You just do them primarily in San Antonio. Oh, I do them all over. I'm getting ready to drive up to uh, Southern Indiana. I'm going to see my pop. He's getting ready to have hip surgery. And then I'm going to Indianapolis. And I'm teaching my gut bucket course, my three day butt gut bucket. What's that? Gut bucket is gut bucket's a term down here for extreme close quarter. No, so this, in, in, this, in this Indianapolis. What's that? That you're doing it in Indianapolis. Yeah, I'll be doing it up in Richmond, Indiana, right outside Indy. Okay. Uh, gut bucket one is pistol. Gut bucket two is rifle, and gut bucket three is pistol and rifle combined. Okay. And the whole premise of this, it's based on street stuff. It's not based on military stuff. I mean, yeah, a military crossover, it's not a problem. Because uh, I've trained with so many guys. I've trained with the great Sonny Kwasikas and the Spetsnaz Ways. I've trained with uh, the Mount guys from the Navy SEAL stuff. I've trained with my buddy Court Bolton, who's a former Ranger. Uh, I've trained with all these guys. I've trained with great civilians. I've trained with my dad. I've trained with ton- I've been running guns. You've been doing guns your whole life? Man, yeah, I grew up with a gun. You're a gun I had guy. My first gun. I had a 22 rifle when I was seven. Wow, nice. You know? See, I Tom- had shotguns. I've always been running guns. See, Tom's in Tom- in London, and uh, Tom does. He Tom is a big gun guy. He's learning guns. You goes, guys need to get your gun rights. <laughs> oh, New Jersey, the UK. That we talked about it last week. I don't know the name of the mayor. I can't remember his name in London. That's so, a big that, gun. Yeah, they want to outlaw knives now. Yeah. What happens, yeah. If you come up, what happens if you come up against a surly piece of toast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, excuse me, why I poop on with my finger? Get out of here! That's a play. I, I notice all your bad guys over there got blades. That's true. That's true. Yeah. This is exactly what we were talking about last week. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a crazy state of affairs. Well, I, 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 I have to own a yeah. gun, but you know, right? It's crazy. So, you know, my my gun work is based on street work and. All this, like this, the gut bucket pistol course, it's you, your pistol, and a magazine. Because in reality, majority of times, as a civilian, you're going to have a magazine a, to get right. it done. Hey, you may carry more on you, but it's going to probably be over before you get down that probably road. Probably right. So this is, this is all 12 feet and in, moving off angles, shooting single-handed because it is a hand gun, not hands. Right. I teach all that stuff, how to, in shooting vitals. And a lot of people bitch about it. Oh, you don't want to hit shoot a guy in the hips. Bullshit. I'll shoot you wherever I have to shoot you. Sure. Because I, I don't know about anybody else. I, I remember that rock salt in the ass. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine being a 9mm or a forty five there. I really can't. Man. No, no, I can't imagine. So, you know, you start, I start teaching people how to, you know, shoot the neck, hit the head, shoot, shoot to stop this guy. And then the same thing with the rifle. Now we're rerunning these drills, but now we're using an M4 or the AK. Then the next day, on the third day, I teach you how to not only – Run the rifle. If it goes dry, man, go straight to the pistol. But inside of each one of these courses, I break out a, a two-hour section for hand-to-hand combat using that implement. Nice. 
You unload, everybody goes safe, everybody's safe, double check, triple check. Now, how do I use this pistol as a weapon? Mm-hmm. Press check it to the face, smack the shit out of a guy with a muzzle. How do I stop a guy from taking this from me? How, here comes the Wing Chun. Total retention. How do I use yeah, retention? So all this stuff, and after three days, I don't believe in, I don't believe in like, you know, okay, I have to have a level one, level two, level three. Most people who come to do this type of work are gun guys to begin with. Mm-hmm. So now you're just expounding it. But I'm telling you, man, in this hinky-ass world with this crazy shit, I don't know about any place else except the United States of America. If you don't have a gun here, you might just get smoke-checked. Right, right. Yeah. So what do you well, what do you think about way. all this? I'm sorry, go ahead, Tom. I didn't want to interrupt you. Tom, no, I wasn't going to say anything, but I guess I am interested in, what, do, you, do you do much stuff against a active shooter where someone's shooting back against you? Yeah, we um, do what they call force-on-force. Mm-hmm. That's where we use either simunition rounds or airsoft. we'll go airsoft, depending. Yeah. And, it changes uh, the game. I've done I've done a bunch oh, of that. Changes the game. Totally the changes the I game. My guys do, and you're going to love this one, Tom. We will put a uh, airsoft pistol in the middle of the floor, and oh, each guy no. back up seven feet away from it. Yeah. When I hit the whistle, they go get go it. for it. Nice. Now you're starting to see because guess what? A situation may be where boom, my gun's out of my hand. Oh shit! He sees it. I see it. Now what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you go after them, or you have to gun, right? Yeah, but I also take Wing Chun to that level. You put your uh, airsoft gun on you. I'll put my airsoft gun on me. My training knife on me. Your training knife on you. We start in Chisau, a multiple, uh, a uh, equal pressure position, and you can yeah. go whenever you want to go for whatever weapon you want, and so can I. And what you'll find is a lot of people totally negate the hands, and they drop both hands to a single weapon leaving their face and their neck exposed. Right. So instead of me going for my weapon, I come down the pipe with punches and kicks. Beautiful. Beat the shit out of them. That's they, right. They never get it out. Right. Yeah. Impact yeah. disarm, I believe it's called. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of people in the Wing Chun world, I, I mean, I got enemies all over. I got enemies in London, man. I got guys who hate me with a passion in Hamburg. Really? I got, I got, I got detracted. But what if, who was it uh, who said, if you don't have any enemies, you never lived? Right. I don't know who said it, but I've heard it. I think it was Churchill, wasn't it, Churchill? I love Churchill. Crazy bad. <laughs> you might be. Did yeah, you see? Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that movie yet. Have you seen that movie, Dark Hour? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Is it really yeah, good? Yeah. I was going to rent it uh, over the weekend, and I didn't. But Matt and Dunkirk. I do double features. Matt and Dunkirk with a bottle of whiskey. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to live in England. I love England. I used to live in a little town called Slough. Slough. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I used yeah. to live there, and uh, I loved it over there. But now, from my mom's best friend just came for a visit. She lives in Cornwall, and, and in her words, the bloody country's turned into a pisser. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. Funny. No, I got people who hate me all over the world because uh, I'm not a I'm not a person who believes in doing the right thing. I'm a person who believes in doing the real thing. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm a person who believes that if, if I'm a nationalist because I love my country. Mm-hmm. And you want to dub me a racist, and so be it. I get dubbed racist all the time. You do you really? Oh, dude, I get it all the time. Because I've taught people who are from the South, because I've taught people who are supposedly, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, a racist group. Oh, you know, yeah. the Southern Poverty that, that, Law Center is yeah, probably the biggest racist group in the world. Absolutely. I was married to a Filipina, God rest her. My children are half Filipino. Right. Uh, I'm German myself, an American Indian. Wow. Uh, I got black students, Mexican students white students, but yet I'm dubbed a racist because I would not teach the type of people that these so-called people in Europe thought I should be teaching. Mm. So you know what I told them? What? You can eat a big bag of dicks and shut the fuck up. <laughs> wow. You know, and if you got, I, I, I pulled one from Tatang Illustrissimo. I've had a, uh, I've told people, if you got a problem with me, then come see me because you got the problem with me. Come see me. We'll yeah. decipher this problem out. Right, Whatever it is, trust me, we will get to the bottom we'll of it. We'll get to the bottom of it. tell them. You make sure you understand one thing. The rule of man applies here. Ain't no rule of law going to apply. Right. You're like, what's that? And I said, I play with guns and big knives. <laughs> you do what you do. I'm going to do what I do. Right. Plain and simple. No Mike, so, so a pretty, pretty cool one. In in June, I'm going to the Philippines to do my black belt. Hopefully, I'll pass it. We'll see. Nice. But, um, we'll see. <laughs> I, it, it's, I have, I have, I did go in 2008, but this will obviously be a very different experience because back then I'd, I'd just started on my martial arts journey. What yes. kind of things should I look out for and sort of try and get out of the training and experience over there, given you've been there a few times? 
I'm going to tell you the very first thing you need to consider and the very first thing you take to heart is your hydration. I mean, it's not, and it's going to lead into everything else. You make sure you stay hydrated. Don't end up, I got so sick from dehydration, I thought I wasn't going to come back from the Philippines. Mm, because yeah. when you go, you've been there, you know the heat. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you get into this black belt test and this type of a test, man, it's going to be grueling. It's going to be long. It's going to be nonstop. But I would, I would hear the one word of advice I would tell you about what to take away from your training is enjoy the ride. Don't yeah. put, don't put so much pressure on yourself that you have to perform at this level. Just let it flow, man. Let you know it. You wouldn't be going there if you didn't know it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah you're right. Ride. You're right. And also, don't be afraid to question. Don't be afraid to question, Master Yuli. I questioned him to the point where he would end up hating me some days because <laughs> I told him. Uh, Sir, no disrespect intended. You're five foot five, 140 pounds. You pull that shit with me in America, I'll pick you up and stick you in a trash can. <laughs> Just do this. And I would tell him that. He was like, oh. And he started to think, you're right. So he would tell me. He was very cool about it. He would tell me, you have to take all these things that you're learning. How tall are you? A 6'2". So you got to take all these things that are being taught to you by a smaller person and modify them to fit a bigger person. Yeah, and once yeah. you start doing that, now you're back into your laboratory creating your own monster, and that's when that shit'll sing. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're a big man, you're gonna have big power. You're gonna probably have a lot of speed. You're you're fairly young. I don't I don't see much gray. So you know, things like that into it. But yeah, enjoy the ride, man. And uh, are you single or married? A uh, single, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, enjoy the enjoy the countryside, my friend. <laughs> because I tell you what, when I went over there to train, I was engaged to a Filipina, my wife, to get married. But if I wasn't engaged, I would have become Raja of that island. I, was on. <laughs> I have zero doubt that was my goal. I went and go native, man. Go completely freaking native. I did. I trained barefoot, man. I let the belly sag. I was just wearing a pair of flip-flops, dark brown skin, eating fit, diving. I was swimming in the southeast China Sea with kids diving for pearls. Hell, I even let a kid piss on my foot after I stepped on a sea urchin. Yeah. It takes away the skin. Mine came right out, man. I was on a little island called Komotus, Master Yuli's home island. We only had electricity three hours a day. Wow, that's so All weird. our training was outside in the bush, man, in the mangroves and all kind of down on the beaches. It was crazy. I went completely native. But when you see a beautiful Filipina with jet black hair, no makeup, and a sarapi saying, hello, sir. I'm like, huh, oh, Raja. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy the food. Enjoy and Just enjoy it. I love it. I loved it over there, man. I wish I yeah. could go back. One day I probably will. But yeah, it's, uh, enjoy, and just enjoy the ride and have fun. If you have yeah. fun, you'll do well. If you go over there all tense like a, like a wet nurse, man, you're going to tense up. Tension well, kills. My first few gradings that I did, I kind of, I, I, I let that pressure get to me and I didn't really enjoy them. And, and what, what I've done since then, I've always tried to pretend I'm not in a grading. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, with a smile on my face and then I kind of You've already been graded. You, you wouldn't be going there if you hadn't yeah. been. Right. You know, and that's the way I look at it because I used to do the same thing. I used to have what they call test anxiety. Yeah, I would get it when I was coming up through the ranks in Goju, man. I would sit there like a shivering bitch. <laughs> One day, my sensei told me, he goes, "What are you so damn nervous about? We've done this shit a thousand times in class. Shut up and do it." Oh, okay. <laughs> and then and once I was out of my head, I could do it. You know, but right. at first, I'd be locked up tight, man. But yeah, just enjoy the ride and yeah. always remember. Raja. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up soon. Hey, look, it has been a great, uh, great show. Mike, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time out of your busy day and, and being a oh, part man, of the show. Pleasure. I really enjoyed it, man. You're, and we'll have you back on, and maybe one sure, day we'll bring you up to, God forbid, uh, God's country, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have you do something to Jersey. Yeah. But anyway, look, I really appreciate it. Gun in Connecticut and come across. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and um, so um, uh, we, Mike Blackgrave, you can find him on YouTube and you can find him on Facebook. He's got a ton of shit out there. It's excellent. Uh, great material. Entertaining guy. Uh, he'll tell you like it is, you know, and, and I really appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. Tom, did you need to promote anything? No. No. <laughs> you don't want to promote a Tinder date or nothing like that? 
Roger. Uh, Roger. <laughs> at JKD London, we've JFK. got Dennis, Seafood Dennis Blue from the Wednesday night. Right, he'll be there in the summer. He'll right. be there in July. Right. So, you, right, you, you need that. to get a hold of me. Get a hold of me at primaljimnj.com or primalfightpromotions.com. Hey, guys, it's been a great show. Uh, look for this on uh, on Spreaker. Look for it on iTunes. Look for it on uh, Sonos, YouTube, SoundCloud, Amazon Alexa, and, of course, Hamilton Radio in their uh, archives and on Saturday night, UK time, 9 p.m. and uh, 9 p.m. New York time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're out. Peace. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.